All right, so this week we are celebrating Christmas. It's finally here. This is hard to believe with this year, with how it's been and everything, that we're finally getting to this time of the year where we're winding down. We're getting ready for the new year. We're celebrating uh, the, the annual birth of, of Jesus Christ as our Savior. And uh, I, I got a quick question for you. I'm sure you've been around town. You've seen the different Christmas lights. Where is your favorite place to go see Christmas lights? Does anybody have any preferences? Anywhere, anywhere. Upper Sandusky, that's a pretty popular place, yeah. Mm -hmm. The Zoo, Toledo Zoo. Zoo, that's a good place as well. Yeah, yeah, Toledo Zoo. Very good, very good. Yeah, personally, um, uh, well, this year, uh, Melissa, the boys, and I, we finally got our first opportunity to make it up to Upper Sandusky uh, to see the Christmas lights up there. And wow, that was quite an experience. And uh, uh, starts off, you have to get a line, and the line stretched for I don't know how far. We didn't know how long it was going to take, but they moved us through pretty well, pretty quickly. So that was encouraging to be able to uh, uh, to make it through there. And then got to see all the lights, and my goodness, the art that was involved in that was amazing. We're so glad we were able to see it. Personally, my favorite was the peacock. If you've been up there this year, and I don't know if it's something every year, but they had this big peacock made out of Christmas lights. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Melissa, she said that she really liked, I think it's called a carousel. Is that, yeah, the, the carousel display they have uh, set up there as well. Uh, some really creative stuff going on there. Um, and uh, prior to uh, upper being able to go to Upper Sandusky, as a boy, we used to go every year to Bluffton, which I just found out, you know that has two Fs in it? <laughs> Yeah, Melissa caught my spelling error as she read through my message. She said, I, I looked through and I actually asked her, I was like, did I misspell Bluffton? And she said, yeah. I, was like, I looked it up at two Fs. So we'd go to Bluffton every year to be able to look at the Christmas lights. And one of the cool things about that is every year they would have these uh, horse-drawn uh, wagon rides that we got to go on. So it was always just a wonderful time, memorable experiences that we got to uh, that we got to take part in up uh, or down or whatever direction it is in Bluffton, Ohio. So it's so wonderful to be able to take part in that. And it's incredible to me that this time of the year really really seems to bring out the best in people. That you um, you know, there's just a, something about the spirit that's created. Uh, in the air as people uh, think more about Jesus Christ and about his birth and that we, we we set up these decorations, we get gifts and all that. I mean, even people that I know that don't even believe in God will take part in going Christmas shopping and sometimes even setting up Christmas displays. Even people of uh, other religious uh, faiths I have talked to like to, like to celebrate Christmas as a family, as they exchange gifts and enjoy their families, uh, family gatherings as well. So it's, it's quite a brilliant holiday, if you, if you ask me, that we get together, we, um, uh, we get to see family, we get to exchange gifts, we decorate our homes, and uh, we have a meal together and we all talk. And so it's, a, it's just a very wonderful experience all around. Uh, and even though Christmas does have a tendency to bring out the best in some people, it also tends to cause a lot of pain for others. Is it fair to say that there are people who are angry at Christmas, that are angry at God? And it's, it's no secret that bad things happen in the world. 
And it makes us wonder why they happen to us and why God even allows them to happen at all. Where is he in times of hardship and in times of sadness? Well, that's where we get to the true meaning of Christmas. That's where it starts to come into picture and we're able to take part in the joy of Christmas, regardless of our circumstances from year to year. So last week we read two scriptures. The first one we read was from Isaiah chapter 7, and it was a prophecy. Matthew chapter 1 was our second scripture, and that actually relays the same prophecy that Isaiah spoke about. Uh, and it was a prophecy about a baby boy who, that in past tense, was born 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus, but we are told that he, he would be called Emmanuel. The Apostle Matthew, knowing that his audience would not necessarily be primarily Jewish, uh, was kind enough to tell us that the name Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. So the meaning of Christmas is that Jesus came down from his heavenly kingdom to forgive our sins. He was born as a baby and lived among us. And that's where the name comes in. Emmanuel, God with us. And during his lifetime, Jesus showed miraculous signs that he is the Son of God. His life was accompanied with healings, with resurrections, uh, and power that he exercised over nature that only the Creator himself could possess. He conquered sin and death, created peace between God and man, and gives us hope that our eternity is not in this world. We are 2,000 years removed from the Lord's physical walk on earth. And ever since he ascended to heaven, people have suffered, people have experienced disasters, injustice, and even lost loved ones. So if God is with us, where is he now? John 14, 18 says, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, I would not leave you as orphans. John 1, 12 says, that to those who would receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ, then not only will he be with us, but we will be called children of God. And this isn't a term that we make up. This is something that God himself has proclaimed. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, we're given this promise in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, which say, When you believed, you were marked in him, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So how can that make a difference in your life today? Well, I like to think of it in terms of uh, software on a computer. And if, uh, if you've interact with me as I'm interacting with technology, I will be quick to tell you that I am technologically illiterate. 
And so if I'm working on my cell phone or if I'm working on a computer and I run into a problem of some sort, I'm kind of out of luck. I don't really know what to do. But let's imagine that beside me, I have the software designer, the one that designed the entire system sitting next to me uh, as I'm working on my computer or working on my cell phone and they see I run into a snag. Well, not only will they be able to help me with my problem and be able to solve my problem, they might be, even be able to design a new piece of software to make sure that never happens again. The designer could easily create whatever he wants to, to make things easier. And that's like God. He is right here with us. And he has the answers for us. And that's not even to say that he's in the seat beside us. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, he is with you everywhere you go as he dwells inside of your heart. John 1.10 states, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. If you want the blessings of God, then, you can only get them through this relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. In no way has God ever left us. He continues to make his dwelling place in this world through those who believe in him. The Holy Spirit, it's not merely a stamp of approval that God has given us. The Holy Spirit himself is a person of the Godhead. He empowers us, he emboldens us, provides wisdom, insight, understanding, comfort, conviction of sin, and he even leads us in the way of righteousness. So he's not an inactive, impersonal force that many people perceive him to be. As you hear me, I've, I've been working hard the past couple years to train myself not to even refer to the Holy Spirit as it. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead, and so I, I'm very intentional about referring to it in pronouns as him or he, that the Holy Spirit indeed is a person of the Godhead and not an impersonal force. He cares about you and takes care of you. Ephesians 1.14 tells us that he even guarantees our inheritance until those who belong to God are redeemed. And I, I like that so much. It says that uh, when we believe, when we personally believe, we individually are marked with the Holy Spirit, to guarantee our inheritance until everybody else that God has called believes. For one, that's a very humbling thought, I think. But on top of that, I, I think that it calls for a Christmas illustration to really get across the message of what that means for us. As we know, uh, we're going to start opening up our, our, our homes to family, and as people arrive one after another, car after car, person after person, everybody puts their gifts Underneath the Christmas tree, you all sit down, you talk, you might have dinner, and yet you don't open up the Christmas gifts. Somebody is not yet there that needs to be there to open up their gifts. And so you wait. You wait for that last person to show up so that when they arrive, you can all open up your gifts together. And it's not because the hosts are mean that they're making you wait. It's because... We all know that when everybody is there, the joy is magnified as we all open up our gifts together. So when you open up your gifts on Christmas Day, feel blessed 
that you have already arrived. You're in the family of faith. You are with family and are waiting to receive your inheritance, to open up that gift per se. And we are waiting for the others to arrive. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That concludes our message for this morning. I look forward to seeing you all on Christmas Eve to celebrate the day of our Savior's birth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the promise that you've given us. And Lord, for those of us who believe that you stamped upon our hearts, known as the Holy Spirit, as he guarantees our salvation uh, until the day that all those people who, who you've called, Lord God, have enjoyed redemption, have enjoyed the salvation that you are yet to bring to them. So, Father God, we praise you for that, that we are already in the family. We're already in the house, Lord, and we are celebrating along with you as more and more people <clears throat> come into our family to enjoy and to embrace the salvation and the love that you have for them. So, Father God, I pray that as we move closer to Christmas, as we move into the week of Christmas, Lord, that our joy would just increase in that joy and love that we have for one another would draw more of those people into the family of faith so they too can celebrate along with us in a way that is not done through ignorance and it's not done uh, just through tradition, but rather it's done in spirit and in truth. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his death. Thank you for his resurrection, his ascension, and his imminent return. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.